the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome. This is the Frank Sontag Show, and I am Pastor Steve Wilburn with Core Church Los Angeles, and I'm filling in today. Hey, I'd like to really start the top of the hour today with, guess what? A word of encouragement from the greatest book that has ever been written. That's the Bible, I'd say. And so let me give you this word of encouragement. It's Psalm 37, verse 4 and 5. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. Isn't that a killer verse? But notice, there's two parts there. There's God's part, and then there's our part. A lot of people only hear the one part of that verse where it says that God is going to give me the desires of my heart. Oh, this is great. A new car, a new wardrobe, whatever the things I desire to make me happy. And it seems like that's what people hear the most. But did you notice the our part was threefold? Again, there's God's part and then there's our part. So God's part is dependent on part. What we do with our part. So first he said that we need to find our delight in the Lord. What does that even mean? We are to seek our delight or our joy from the Lord and not from the things of the world. You know, Jesus said in John 15, 11, you know, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Wow. So that means joy and gladness and happiness will be ours in spite of whatever circumstances we might be having to endure. And just knowing how life is right now, how chaotic it is, I would say that there's many listening right now that are having to endure things that they don't really like to endure. But Jesus said that his joy can be in us. Second, we're to commit our way to the Lord. First, we have to find our delight, our joy in Him. Then we're to commit our way to the Lord. That's us being willing to humble ourselves to listen, God's plan over our plan. Remember our calling when we come to Christ. (laughs) Jesus said in Matthew 16, He said, if anyone wishes to come after me, and that's everyone, if anyone wishes to come to me, they must deny themselves and take up the cross and follow me. Because whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Some will say, well, what kind of an oxymoron is that? If I save my life, I'll lose it. If I lose my life, I'll find it. Then he goes on to say, for what will a man profit or a woman profit if they gain the whole world, but yet you forfeit or lose your soul in the end? Or what will a man or a woman give in exchange for their own soul? So you're thinking like, wait a minute, how does this work? See, I can tell you this. It makes no sense at all until you do it. (laughs) It's like when you do it, then you realize, oh, my goodness, this actually works. 
If I choose to save my life, meaning I'm going to do my thing, I'm going to have my plan, I'm going to do everything I want to do, I will lose my life in the end. But if I lose my life, my aspirations, my desires for God's, then I will gain life. Oh my goodness, the oxymoron makes total sense when you actually do it. Crazy, but true. Then we're told... First, we're told to delight ourselves in the Lord. Then we're told to commit our way to the Lord. Then third, we're told to trust in him. We are to trust. That's to have a true confidence that the Lord has our best interests at hand. We're to be ready to commit all that we are to him and all that we have to him. I love that verse in Philippians 2, 3. It says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with Humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. Yes, when we have and we do what? Delight ourselves in the Lord, when we commit ourselves to the Lord, when we trust in Him and we turn everything over to Him, we humble ourselves before God, then He gives us the desires of our heart. Why? Because now our desires are His desires. Hey, I'm just saying, our plans are not as good as God's plans. Just remember, God has a purpose and a plan for you. It's what sets the true Christian apart from the other seven and a half billion people on planet Earth today. We have purpose. There is a reason why we are alive today as believers in Christ. There's a reason. We are called by God to know Him. Think about that. We can know the Creator of the universe. We are called by God to worship Him. And we are called by God to serve Him to be used by him, vessels of honor for God. Wow, what a great and high calling that God has given to each and every one of us. Remember, it's bigger than us. It's bigger than our little world. It's bigger than just what we have planned for ourselves. God has something for us that's bigger. And when we delight ourselves in him, when we commit ourselves to him, and when we trust in him, his purpose and his plan starts unfolding in our life. Well, hey, that's the word for today at the top of the hour. But hey, getting to our first topic today, because I have a special guest is going to come on at the bottom of the hour. So don't go anywhere. You're going to love this. It'll be a great interview. But right now, uh, here on KKLA, it's like uh, filling in here for the Frank Sontag Show. I'm Pastor Steve Wilburn with Core Church Los Angeles. So here's the first topic. You know, uh, understand this. How many of you have been watching the Olympics this year? How many of you are watching? You know, in the midst of all the drama, uh, there's been some great events. But what are your thoughts on the Olympics? You know, some people are a little frustrated with them. And if you have a frustration or if you're totally excited about them, why don't you give me a call at 888-528-2557. It's the Olympics. The United States is being represented against all countries in the world. What do you think about that? Again, give me a call. 888-528-2557. Hey, so did you see the other day? Oh, my goodness. The U.S. basketball team lost to France. France? What? Do they even play basketball in France? Do they have indoor plumbing? No, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't send any hate mail. But it's like, oh, my goodness. How 
does Kevin Durant and all of the U.S. basketball team, how do they lose to France? I don't even know how it's possible. Do you know that the U.S. hasn't lost a game in the Olympics in basketball since 2004? They had a 25-game win streak in the Olympics. What happened? Oh, my goodness. And what about the women's soccer team? Oh, my goodness. They lost to Sweden. Sweden? Really? Did that just happen? But we have won 25 medals total, you know, and nine of them are gold. We're the number one winning medals there. But what do you think about the Olympics? What's, you know, what's on your heart about that? You know, again, let me, you know, let me hear your opinion on it. That's 888-528-2557. Yes, and uh, did you see, uh, what was it, was that last night or the night before? I can't remember now, but uh, it was Lydia Jacoby won the gold medal in the breaststroke. I mean, wow, that girl just tore it up. Yeah, I think that's the first gold medal that's ever been won from someone from Alaska. I mean, how cool was that? And then last night, I was watching uh, the women's indoor volleyball, and they dropped China like a bad habit. Man, they beat them three times in a row. That was unbelievable. But anyway, it's been you know kind of a crazy thing watching because obviously there's been a lot of politics in sports and what have you, and some people are frustrated because some people are not representing the United States. And listen, I just got to say, you know, my own little two bits here on a soapbox here. It's like, hey, if you're going to go to United, you know, to the Olympics and you're going to represent the United States, hey, here's a novel thought. Why don't you represent the United States? <laughs> hey, just a novel thought, but that's my opinion. But it's like, I just think that that's what you should do. That's why you're there. And uh, But anyway, that's my opinion. But anyway, moving on, I was looking in the news here today. Uh, and did you see that article uh, in, uh, it was on Fox News. They were talking about uh, they need more police in Washington, D.C. Why? Because there's been an increase in violence since they started to defund the police program and knock some 32 million bucks off of their budget and what have you. So they put it out there that, hey, we need more police here. Hey, listen, I got a call here going back to our last thought here on the Olympics. It's Greg in Cyprus. Hey, Greg, are you there? Greg. Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Hey, yes, I can hear you. So, hey, Greg, where are you at right now? Are you driving on the freeway somewhere? I am, sir. I am. All right. Great. Well, so what's your feelings, Greg, on the, uh, you know, just America in the Olympics and what have you? Well, you know, I think it's very disheartening that, um, you know, we live in one of the greatest countries, actually the greatest country um, on the planet. And and thank God for that. Preach Um, it. I just think it's, it's really hurtful, uh, especially for, you know, people that have served in the military and people that, you know, serve on the front line, as you're referring to the police officers, when you have athletes that go there and they're representing our great country and they kneel for the, the national anthem. Yeah. Um, I understand that there's a lot of uh, debate about this, that, and the other. But at this point in time, I mean, we're, when we're on the center stage, it's just it's very sad. Well, I, you know, I agree. And, you know, Greg, let me ask you, are you a born-again Christian? I am. Yes, sir. Okay, so uh, me and you have that in common, along with many of our other listeners. And you know, as well as I do, that our citizenship is in heaven. And, you know, that's, you know, where our main loyalty lies. 
But we also have a citizenship here on this side of heaven, and it happens to be in the United States. And, you know, Greg, I've done a lot of travel with uh, for ministry purposes. Uh, I used to be a pastor at Harvest Christian Fellowship doing Harvest Crusades all over the world. You know, we've been to England, all you know, all over Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, we've just done a lot of travel. And I've gone to Israel five times. I've been to Rome. I mean, I've been I've, I've done a lot of travel. And uh, have you ever been out of the country, uh, Greg? Uh, yes, sir, I have. Yeah, so one of the things that I do when I come back, you know, and, I, you know, of course, I've been to Canada, been to Mexico and all of that, but it's like when I get back, even when I go to Israel, which I love Israel, walking in the Holy Land, wonderful, but when I get back, I do two things. I want to kiss the ground, <laughs> and I want to go to In-N-Out Burger, but besides that, but it's like <laughs> you don't realize how awesome America is until you get out of this country and you see how other countries are ran. And I don't think people understand that, Greg. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, def- definitely, definitely. And, you know, the, the whole thing with, like you said, about the basketball, our national basketball team that lost, and then our women's soccer team that also lost, I, I mean, I mean, I know that, that's minuscule and whatnot, but it's almost like uh, – uh, justified. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're we're representing our country here, and and first going there, and I guess foolishly not stand for this. It's it's like I said before, it's, it's disheartening. But well, uh, it's a li- I, I totally agree. Yeah, it's it's I almost totally like a. Our, our, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's almost like a little bit of judgment because of, of what they did. Kind of like you reaped what you sowed a little bit. But hey, Greg, thank you so much for your call. I so appreciate it. You have a great day, sir. You too. Bye-bye. Yeah, it's like, I, I just feel like, look, I, I have to be honest. Again, like I was just talking with Greg there, uh, I'm pro-American. I, my citizenship's in heavy, my, heaven. My first loyalty is to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But I am pro-American. And uh, look, I want us to win. I, I, you know, I want us to do well in the Olympics. I want us to be represented well. And uh, I think that, you know, uh, there's places to protest uh, certain things and there's certain cultural relevance with some things. But but when you're on that world stage and you're representing this country, I say fly the flag high and be proud that it's there. That's why when uh, I was watching that Lydia Jacoby uh, win gold from Alaska, I'm just like, wow, you know, and then it showed all of her family watching. They're all waving flags and everything. It was it was uh, it was great. And same thing with the women's indoor volleyball. I was jumping up and down in my uh, on my couch last night, you know, when they were beating China. Sorry, I'm just saying, I'm just pro-American. But moving on to that uh, second issue uh, of the defunding the police and everything. Uh, look, you know, you, you watch Fox News, you watch the newspapers, this and that. I mean, there's just debates forever on the defunding the police. But I'd like to take a little bit more of a spiritual side of this for a moment, if you don't mind. Because, uh, you know, I also read there was another article today that the Minneapolis officials are seeking intervention from the state Supreme Court to add more police officers as violence has escalated there. As you know, 
Minneapolis where George Floyd uh, lost his life and what have you. Uh, that was like the first place to defund the police. And things have just gone off the scale there. I, I mean, like, you know, skyrocketing homicides. Unbelievable. And so now they're they're seeking the state Supreme Court to overrule the city so they can get more police in there. Uh, they're adding 200 more police to the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, they're adding, uh, they're talking lots more police in the Minneapolis area. But let me just look at it from a, a, a more of a spiritual side here for just a moment here uh, from what the Bible has to say about this. You know, as you know, the problem is twofold. Number one, there needs to be more police out on the streets to arrest these violent offenders who are hurting people. I don't know if you saw that video today where uh, there was a 68-year-old man uh, being robbed in broad daylight, just being punched out. They had full video of this and robbed uh, right on the streets of New York. It just It's just heartbreaking to see these kinds of things, and I'm sure you're heartbroken too. So number one, yes, there needs to be more police out there, so we have to forget this defund the police thing and we have to actually get uh, more police back out there but that's only half the problem understand uh, there's another problem and that is we have to be able to prosecute people for their crimes and this is a biblical situation here because one of the frustrations is with uh, many of our law enforcement officers and look I have to confess not only am I the pastor of core church Los Angeles but I am also a chaplain for the Los Angeles Police Department. And there's a lot of frustration with police officers today across our country because if they do go out and arrest, quote, the bad guy, it's like they can't get them prosecuted. We have eased our prosecution so much so that people are right back out on the street. They, they, they get a, a hand slap. They get a, a, a citation. It, it's like there's no punishment for the crime. So what does the Bible have to say about this? And until we as a country humble ourselves and recognize that not only was this country established on the truth— that God is the one that established this country. That's why it's printed on all of our money. It's printed on everything that we have, you know, in God we trust. In fact, you know, it was uh, also written on the walls of what? The Jefferson Memorial. You know, so Thomas Jefferson, one of our early presidents, you know, he's the writer of the Declaration of Independence. He said this, and it's quoted on his memorial that's there on the tidal basin right off the 14th Street Bridge in the Potomac River in Washington, D.C. And he said this quote, God who gave us life gave us liberty. Can the liberties of a nation be secure when we have removed the conviction that these liberties are the gift of God? He's asking a question. He says, indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and his justice cannot sleep forever. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. And listen, Mr. Jefferson, it's like if you thought it was bad back, you know, 200 years ago, you'd be turning over in your grave if you saw what happened now. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 11, it says, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly. Therefore, the hearts of the sons of men are given fully to do evil. 
So do you understand what he's saying there? He says, if you don't have a sentence against an evil deed, and if it's not executed quickly on the perpetrator that did wrong, he says, therefore, the hearts of the sons of men uh, will be given fully to do evil. Well, isn't that kind of like obvious? Like if there's no punishment, then the person's just going to continue to do more crime. So what have we done here in California? You know, we said that like, well, okay, we don't want to, you know, uh, commit these people to crimes that have shoplifted. So, you know, we'll make it not really a crime until they steal $950 worth of stuff. So is that going to cause people to steal less or steal more? It's like, just make sure you don't go over the $950 mark. Are we serious? Who comes up with this stuff? So we need to get back to what the Bible says. We need to bring a sentence against evil so that evil will not be, you know, quickly put out there because the hearts of the sons of men are fully to do evil. See, I think when we make laws, the people that are making laws now, I think they have the basic tendency to think, well, the heart of man is basically good. And the Bible looks at it as completely different than the way that man looks at man. Man looks at man and says, well, we're basically good. There's a few bad apples in there. God says, no, you've all sinned. You've all come short of the glory of God. (laughs) It's like, uh, well, wait a minute. Some people are good. Well, yeah, we know people. Some people are better than others, but God nails it on the head. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So again, God establishes truth for us. Why? God establishes truth so that we can govern. That's why in Romans 13, we're told that God has allowed governments to do what? To govern over us. Why? To keep wickedness in check, to punish wickedness so that we can live freely. But now that wickedness is given like an okay and there's no punishment for it, That's why we're not living in safety now. This is why it's so important, obviously, to vote. And so that's a biblical response on why and how we should vote so that we don't run into these situations anymore. So anyway, vote. And hey, let's refund the police. Listen, we're going to take a break here in just a moment. We'll be right back. I'm Pastor Steve Wilburn from Core Church Los Angeles. And don't go away because I have a special guest coming on in our next segment. This is the Frank Sontag Show, and I'm Pastor Steve Wilburn from Core Church Los Angeles, and I'm filling in today, and I want to welcome my guest. He's the son of Josh McDowell, the author of Evidence That Demands a Verdict. His name is Sean McDowell, and he's written a new book entitled Chasing Love. I've had, you know, Sean speak at our church at Core Church Los Angeles on apologetics and defending the truth of God's word. And he is an absolute incredible speaker and communicator of God's truth. So, Sean, welcome to the show. Steve, thanks for having me, bro. You are filling in like a pro, man. <laughs> I don't know about that, but man, it's like, I am so glad. You know, if so everyone knows, Sean, it's like I called him yesterday and, uh, and he did not a plane. He's flying to, I think, Iowa. Is that where you're at? Iowa? 
I'm in Iowa. That's yes, right. and he's flying to Iowa. He's like, he's speaking, and he's like, got all these things going on, and I'm talking to him this morning, and, and he's got like this one little window of time, and I'm like, Sean, you got to come on the show. You got to talk about this new <laughs> book that you wrote, and and we just spent all this time just you know bringing you up. So, Sean, how's it going with you? It is going well. Thanks for asking, man. Life is busy and it's full. But at this stage, after COVID, even though it's still going on, I'm just thankful for breath and for family and for all the things the Lord is doing. So thanks thanks for asking. So it's really the most important things of life uh, are really the most important things of life. It's, it's so true. being a, a, a husband and a father and uh, just uh, taking care of business and doing what God wants you to do. Amen. Hey, right. so listen, you wrote a book, and it's called, uh, you know, uh, Chasing Love. And so what is what is this book about? Well, I wrote it essentially for my three kids, Scotty, Shauna, and Shane. How old are your now, kids? I write for them. Yeah, right. They're, they're growing up in a generation that has more temptations and more pressures, just yeah. one click away than any generation ever before. And not only moral temptations, but ideas about love, ideas about freedom, ideas about identity that totally undermine and are against biblical ideas. And so I didn't think there was any book that was really written for students that captured biblical ideas in a way that was relevant and interesting and story-filled that could help out not only my own three kids, but the kids I teach in a private school classroom and just the thousands of students I get to speak to around the world every year. Well, you know, you're really speaking to my heart, Sean, because as you know, I was a high school pastor at Harvest Christian Fellowship, Greg Laurie's church, for 15 years. And we had one of the biggest high school ministries uh, there there ever was. And uh, so I had thousands of kids that literally came through all those four years. I kind of learned that, you know, when a when a ninth grader comes in, he's kind of like a squirrely eighth grader and you kind of tolerate them, you know, <laughs> and then they become a sophomore and uh, hey, you know what? This kid's all right. And then by the time they're a junior, like I'm really liking this kid. Then they become a senior, <laughs> like I love this kid. I want to adopt him. But one of the things I learned as a high school pastor was if you expect nothing out of a high schooler, they'll give it to you every time. Absolutely nothing. But if you pour into them, they have a heart that is open. So this is a subject that's really sensitive to me because they're hearing all of this noise. And you wrote a book on what real love is. Tell me some more about it. You know, Steve, I love that you framed it that way, because sometimes when we're working with students, we think, how low can we make the bar to get as many students? To exactly. Exactly. And follow Jesus as we think. And I actually start this book by saying, if you want to follow Jesus and his plan for sex, love, and relationships, it might be harder. It might be more difficult. It might cost you something. But guess what? Not only is it true and is it beautiful, but it's the kind of life that is the most rewarding and in line with what God wants you to. God is calling you to something bigger. So I actually flipped the script, and I say, Jesus says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. So I'm trying to raise the bar in this book. And essentially what I do is I start off 
And the first third of the book is just stripping away faulty ideas. Kids have a confused understanding of love. Our culture says you have to affirm any belief or any behavior somebody has in order to be loving. I also walk away faulty ideas of culture. Our culture says freedom is doing whatever you want without restraint. That's not a biblical view of freedom. And I also walk through a faulty view of identity because our kids are so absorbed in secular ideas we have to spend time deconstructing and stripping away these faulty ideas. Then in the middle of the book, I shift and I say, okay, what is God's design for sex, God's design for marriage, and God's design for singleness? And wow. then you get to the final third of the book. Then I say there's these thorny cultural issues like pornography, like transgenderism, like sex abuse, living together, divorce. Let's talk about these sensitive issues with biblical faithfulness, but also with kindness and graciousness towards people, too. This is Pastor Steve Wilburn with Core Church Los Angeles filling in on the Frank Sontag Show. My guest here is Sean McDowell. He's wrote a new book called Chasing Love. And, you know, Sean, uh, when I was teaching in the high school ministry, I never had any uh, training in how to teach high schoolers. So you know what I did? I go, I'm going to teach them the truth of God's word. So I was doing expository Bible teaching to students. I would read all these student uh, books, you know, for uh, youth pastors, and they would say, kids will not listen to Bible studies. You have to give them these little quips of this and little quips of that. I'm like, I threw that out the window. I'm going to teach these kids. I would teach 45 to 50 minutes expository Bible teaching, book by book, chapter by chapter. I taught them the word. Now, granted, I used to get a little goofy and everything in the teaching and had a lot of goofiness, but I taught the word. And that's what I love about your book. You teach the word. In fact, I just want to say to our listeners, this is not a book that would be good a good read just for your teenager, I think it'd be a good read for anybody because the principles that you're laying out here are incredible that we all need to live by. You know, it's really interesting to hear you say that, Steve, because I had a bunch of people edit the book and my dad did. He came back to me and he was writing books on sex and relationships like in the 80s and 90s. Yes, I read those books. (laughs) I know. I know you did. (laughs) I had evidence that demands a verdict when it first came out. That's how old I am. That's awesome. Well, that was in the 70s. And then in the 80s, he's writing the book, Why Wait? Yep. You know, on teen sexuality. He said, and he goes, he goes, son, this is not just for uh, teenagers. He goes, even as an adult and his grandpa, this was very helpful for me because there's new issues at play in our culture today. And people are really wrestling with how do I respond to questions of like transgenderism and pronouns? What, what do I do with being invited to a same-sex wedding? How do I make sense of these claims of sex abuse? These are tough questions in pornography just all over our culture. So a ton of adults have read it, but what I hope is when I first wrote a book, I made it 10 chapters because I was like, you make a book 10 chapters. Yep. Then became a parent. I was like, wait a minute, I'm going to do this thing differently. So I did shorter chapters, 30 of them, and I challenged a bunch of parents to say, take your kids, probably 12 and up, read a chapter a night together. It'll take you 10 minutes and talk about it. And in one month, you've worked through some of the most important and sensitive issues on marriage, sex, and relationships 
with your kids. And I can't tell you how many parents have told me, number one, they're like, they learn stuff. But number two, was they able to communicate those important ideas to their very own kids? You know, that's such a great idea of what you did by making it shorter chapters. You know, there's two books that are really encouraging for anyone just in growing in their relationship with God by Oswald Sanders. I'm sure you're familiar with them. You know, one is on spiritual leadership and one is on spiritual discipleship. And one of the things that I love about those books is they have really short chapters and they're really packed with a lot of nuggets of truth. And for you yeah. to take this book and turn it into a 30 chapter book that is smaller in bite-sized pieces that someone can read a chapter and actually walk away with a thought, you know, and the fact that you have it as 30 chapters, it would be a great book for someone to read as a devotional book and read one chapter a day for a month because they talk about how, you know, habits are formed over the course of a month. You could take your book, uh, chasing love, read one chapter a day as a de- devotional and, and, start consuming that and over a whole month change really the outlook and the way that you would walk through life. Well, I love that you're thinking about habits in the long run, but probably seven to 10 minutes a day, an adult or a kid, if you find time, each chapter is 1500 words. Wow. That's it. I forced myself to keep it to that, which meant I had to be economical and careful in the words and the stories Everything counts and matters. And if you get that one month, you'll be quick to see things scripturally, like you said. In fact, at the end of each chapter, I take the top 30 difficult questions people were asking me that I was getting from students. And I'll be really honest with you. I hope I don't get in trouble on the air for this, but I've been asked questions like, is it okay to have sex with a robot? Like, yeah, those are crazy questions that people are asking. But you're answering the questions that people are asking. And that's the, that's the cool thing about it. Hey, listen, Sean, we're going to take a break and we're going to be right back. So this is pastor Steve Wilburn with core church, Los Angeles, filling in on this Frank Sontag show. My guest is Sean McDowell. Uh, We're talking about his new book, uh, you know, chasing love. And so, we're going to be right back, so don't go anywhere. Well, welcome back. This is the Frank Sontag Show. I'm Pastor Steve Wilburn from Core Church Los Angeles, and I'm filling in today. And I have my special guest on there, Sean McDowell, who wrote a new book called Chasing Love. And so we're continuing this conversation. Hey, so Sean, let me ask you a question. This book has really, uh, really stoked up my antennas here on all kinds of questions here. But what are some of the myths about sex that especially teenagers and those that are single. I don't, I don't want to say just teenagers, but those that are single, uh, you know, through the college years and, and all, uh, what are some of those myths that are going around today? That's a great question. And there's, uh, let's talk about two myths that are kind of the opposite sides of the same coin. One is that sex is not a big deal that it doesn't matter. And this is going back to the sex revolution of the 60s and 70s that basically tried to say sex is just another biological phenomena. It doesn't mean anything. I remember hearing this activist say it's really no different than just having a glass of water. Now, whenever I hear that, I always think like, I don't know what water this person is drinking. Exactly. The point being, the idea is like sex doesn't mean anything. The reality is we know that's false. I mean, the entire Me Too movement over the past few years 
has drawn attention to how painful and horrific sex abuse is. Now, physical abuse is bad. I don't want to downplay that. Yeah. But Rachel Denholander, who was the former gymnast who was sexually abused and spoke up and helped bring down Larry Nasser, um, who is that gym- medical doctor who was abusing so many gymnasts. Yeah. We interviewed her on our podcast, and she said sex abuse in terms of PTSD is second to being in war in terms of how devastating it often is. So oh, I totally believe that. that. Oh, my goodness. Just for that reason alone, we know that sex and sexuality strikes to the heart of who we are, and it means something. On the flip side, there's people who want to say sex is everything. And this generation is tempted to believe that because it fills up TikTok videos. It's all over Netflix. I was on Facebook today, and all these games are coming up that are totally sexual, just popping up. It's in music. It's in the educational system. This generation is also tempted to think that sex could be the vehicle to happiness and meaning. But the reality is it's not. Jesus was single, Paul was single, and lived fulfilled, meaningful, rich lives. So sex is a beautiful gift, and it's wonderful, but it is not the key to happiness, or Hugh Hefner would have been happy, and I have no reason to believe that he was. So those are two myths, that sex is everything, it's a myth, but it's also a myth to say that sex doesn't mean anything. Right. Well, you know, a lot of people will come to me as a pastor and they'll say, well, look, we're living together. And, you know, and and how are we going to know if we're sexually compatible before we get married? And I always look at those people like, are you a guy? Is she a girl? It's like, trust me, it'll work out. (laughs) Know that you don't have to live together. So what do you say about people that want to live together first? I'm going to phrase this very carefully. There is nothing you can learn from living with somebody before marriage that you can't learn otherwise that has any relevance for a lasting, successful marriage. There's nothing that you can learn that makes a big difference. In fact, in one of the chapters in the back of the book, Chasing Love, I actually did a lot of research, and this probably surprised me as much or more than anything in researching that book. Really? Is that expert I interviewed, he said, if you want to give a couple choices they can make to put themselves at a great disadvantage for a successful marriage, living together will provide just that. And I thought, oh, my goodness. Now, there's reasons we won't go into But I think the data is pretty strong and pretty clear that couples who live together first, despite thinking it helps them with sexual compatibility and a successful marriage, actually puts them at a disadvantage. And I put it this way, Steve. If you work on the emotional trust and the relationship and all the other factors that make a marriage last, like you said, the sex is going to take care of itself. That's right. That's right. This is Pastor Steve Wilburn, Core Church Los Angeles, filling in on the Frank Sontag Show. My guest here is Sean McDowell, who wrote a new book called Chasing Love. Hey, let me throw a hot topic at you because you said that this was actually in the book. What do you tell young people because they're getting so bombarded with you can be whatever you identify as. So what do you tell them about transgenderism in your book? Well, one of the big things I, I, I talk, especially because I'm writing this to Christians, is to say that their friends who are transgender 
they need to have love and compassion and kindness towards them. The studies are clear that kids who identify as transgender, and this is true for LGBTQ, more likely to report being depressed, lonely, anxious, etc. So if yeah. we have a community of vulnerable people that are hurting, as Christians, our first response is to show love and kindness to them. But with that said, I also want kids to realize that there's a certain ideology that's being pushed and promoted through things, again, like Netflix, being promoted through the educational system. And I have seen it and read it in California Health Standards. I did a full blog on this. They need to be aware of how certain ideologies of what it means to be human are at odds with what Scripture says it means to be human. So we need to respond with compassion, but we also need to always go back to Scripture. And Scripture makes it clear that we are body and we are soul, and we are to live with those in congruity in our relationships with God and our relationships with other people. So compassion and truth are both important when we talk about something as sensitive as the transgender transgender issue. Yeah, I think people try to, uh, my personal opinion is people try to fill an emptiness in their heart. And I don't think uh, people realize that God has created all of us with a God-shaped void inside that only he can fill. And, you know, what person, place, or thing has ever given anybody a lasting satisfaction? And I think of, you know, uh, you know, Rolling Stone's uh, front man, you know, Mick Jagger has been singing about satisfaction for 55 years. And what is he saying? Can't get no satisfaction. So what do you tell parents, Sean, with uh, teenagers that are struggling with all of these issues and being bombarded, and now there's pornography they can get to on their phone, and every kid seems to have a, a, a you know, a smartphone now. You know, what, what can parents do? Uh, you know, and why don't some parents really talk to their kids about these issues straight up? Well, I think sometimes as parents, we don't talk to kids because we've made mistakes in our own lives. We yeah. feel guilty about it, and we don't feel equipped to have these conversations. So I understand why many parents feel that way. But that's partly why I wrote the book is to say, here's a tool for you. You don't have to be the expert. Just be willing to have this conversation with your kids, and they don't expect you to be perfect. Just have the conversation is a win because every study shows that I've ever seen from Gen X through millennials to Gen Zers that parents have the most impact on their kids. So just having that conversation is a win for parents within itself. And that can entail asking questions, listening, but second, not only have that conversation, just dig in and build relationships with your kids. So, One of the best defenses we have are healthy relationships with our kids. Right. So so this book can really help break those barriers that keep a parent from talking. This book will stimulate multiple conversations. So, Sean, what's the best way one of our listeners, uh, many of our listeners, can get this book? What's the best way to get this book? You know what? If you just go to any bookseller, if you use Amazon.com or Barnes and Nobles or ChristianBook.com, you will find it. So just search Chasing Love. You go to my website, SeanMcDowell.org, and I link to it. But you can get it any bookseller 
in audio or physical form. This is Pastor Steve Wilburn, Court Church, Los Angeles, filling in on the Frank Sontag Show. My guest today is Sean McDowell, his new book, Chasing Love. Uh, this can really help a lot of parents break those barriers with talking with their teenagers. Hey, listen, for a last question, we only have two minutes left, Sean. So what would you say, because you brought it up just a moment again, what would you say to the parent that maybe has failed, uh, maybe anyone that's listening, whatever age they are, that they have fallen sexually, they have sinned, they have done the wrong thing, uh, they did pretty much everything wrong. What would you say to that person right now? The first thing I would say is that God loves you. Amen. God loves you. And you know what? Your past, no matter what you've done, or no matter what has been done to you, does not have to define you. Scripture says God will separate your sins, not as far as the north is from the south, because you go north for a while, eventually you're going south. That's right. As far as the east is from the west. You have been forgiven and can experience the freedom of forgiveness if you're simply willing to cry out to Jesus for that forgiveness. The Bible says if you confess with your heart and you believe, you are forgiven. I think of the prodigal son story, one of my favorite, Luke 15, where this son basically said to his dad, you are dead to me, shamed him publicly. And when he is coming back broken, the father is the first one out to meet him. I envision that father every day opened up his curtains and thought, maybe today is the day my son will come home. Amen. So Amen. You. God loves you and God forgives you and wants to free you from the hurt and shame and burden that you felt. Satan is the accuser. Jesus is the one who gives life. Amen. Well, you know, Sean, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, this is Sean McDowell. Uh, his book is Chasing Love. Uh, this is Pastor Steve Wilburn filling in for the Frank Sontag Show. And Sean, thank you so much for being here with us today. And thank you, everyone that's listening here today. We so appreciate you listening to this radio station. God bless you and have a great day.